When we spoke of families, conversation naturally drifted again to American engagements, fiancé relationships, and marriage customs. I thought I had already covered this topic ad nauseum, but they never seemed to tire of trying to comprehend the mind of a Westerner, especially in matters of love and marriage. How much did Mr. Holt pay your father for you? 10,000 Afghanis, roughly $120, is a good price here. Nothing? Nothing? Really? That is not our custom in America. Did you really get to see Mr. Hull before you were married? Quite contrary to the rules of respectable Afghan female behavior. Yes, we went to university together and had many of our classes together. Then why would Mr. Hull marry you? Only loose women would willingly allow themselves to be seen by their future husband. Because he loved me. Silence while they attempted to comprehend this outrageous concept of love before marriage and of getting to choose your own life partner. After you got married, did you live with your father or with Mr. Hull's father? We were still in college. We had our own apartment. You lived by yourselves, alone, at night? More shock and dismay danced across their incredulous faces. They found it difficult to reconcile this part of my life with the teacher they had come to respect. Once again, Eastern and Western cultures met, struggled to understand each other, experienced a tiny glimmer of comprehension, but in the end found the contradictory concepts too foreign and too enormous to fathom and withered in the effort. Although they professed not to understand the concept of love, they often asked me to correct the grammar of some love letters they had written. Surely these letters would never be sent, as most of the women in their lives could not read English. Maybe it was just a futile exercise in English, something other than dull telephony and telegraphy lessons to hone their English skills. Or perhaps it was merely a means of relieving the frustration of living in an all-male world. Or maybe they are more sentimental than they normally revealed. After all, the blood of ancient Persian poets coursed through their veins. I could not bring myself to correct the grammar of a love letter. It seemed too much like prying into the private matters of a heart. One day I was teaching the vocabulary of relationships in my 10th grade class. Relationships in Persian, I learned, were quite complex and carried with them political as well as kinship connotations. The Persian word for your uncle's first son, for instance, translated into enemy. This, they explained, was due to the distribution of land rights after the death of the family patriarch and landholder. After thorough discussion of family vocabulary in English, I drew a family tree on the board, casually filling in the names of my parents, my sisters, my brothers, my grandparents, cousins, etc. I was oblivious as to what an effort it took for the students to maintain their composure while witnessing such brazen revelations from their teacher. But they could no longer contain themselves when I assigned them the homework of making their own family tree so that we could talk about family relationships in class later in the week. What an uproar ensued. They were shocked, the class leader informed me, that I would so openly speak my mother's name and reveal how many sisters I had. In this culture, one never spoke of the female relatives in front of strange men. Tread carefully, I thought. We have another East meets West moment here. We are quite willing, they told me, to let you see the names and numbers of females in our family, but it will disgrace us to share this information with our classmates, nor may you share it with Mr. Hole. After much negotiating, at which I was becoming somewhat more adept, I finally worked out a compromise that all of us could live with. The names of male family members they would happily record on their family tree. However, they would merely indicate with an X the presence of a female family member, and the assignment would be for my eyes only.